Uh, my name is Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And um, I'm not going to lie to you, when I was thinking about the overarching kind of arc of my life and career, I did not think that I'd be standing before you today. I mean, I'm glad. I mean, it's, I'm glad to be here and have a job. But when I dreamt of my life, um, I really, I didn't, I thought I would not be here. Um, about four years ago, um, I met with the spiritual director and I had all this stuff going on in my head. And she was like, you know, you should consider um, having a, an appropriate outlet for all these things that you're wrestling through. And she said, why don't you consider writing? And I'm like, okay, I'll try that. And so about four years ago, I actually started this little blog that my mom really loves. And, uh, and as I was writing and doing a little writing here and there, um, all of a sudden, like the floodgates open. Like for me, I never said a word basically for 35 years. And all of a sudden I had this avenue of things to say. And I started just like spitting out all this stuff. And all of a sudden I had this epiphany, like oh, I have a book in me. And if you're a writer, you're filling with writing, like to say I have a book in me is like a pretty big deal. And, uh, and what's interesting is all of a sudden I started thinking about, do I really have a book in me? And I started thinking, maybe I do. And what it was, is this idea that I was a parent of a toddler at the time and having a little kids just wrecked my life. You guys probably handled having parents, parenting toddlers perfectly and it was beautiful and all the books said, hey, it's like a garden and it's so beautiful. And I'm like, this is the worst thing ever. And I mean, I love my kids, but I mean like just how much they wreck your life was awful. So I'm like, I, I have this book in me about how kids wreck your life, but you can still love Jesus. And it's a totally unique thing. And so I started cranking it out and typing this thing away. And, uh, and, and the more I got invested in this project, the more I started like, I would write, write, write. And then I would daydream like, oh my goodness, like Zondervan's going to pick this thing up and I'm going to be famous and I'll do this book tour and I'll come back to Marine Covenant now, now and then. Be like, hey guys, remember back when I was just a pastor here and, uh, you know, wear a blazer and it'd be super great. And, um, and so I, I finished the book and I'm like, okay, it's ready to pull the trigger. I'm ready to jettison my normal life and become famous. And so, but I, I couldn't figure out how to meet an agent and figure that thing. And I sent emails and I got rejected, but I'm like, it's just because they don't know me. Like these agents, they're rejecting me, but they just don't know me. I need to get face to face. And so um, I dropped some serious money and went to this writer's conference in Mount Hermon. So I go to this writer's conference, 300 people in this Mount Hermon, all these writers. And uh, I'm like, this is going to be it. You're guaranteed to meet with an agent. And I'm gonna be like, Marine Covenant, God bless you. And I was going to be on my way. And uh, so as this thing's going on, I started to get this sinking feeling. 300 people at this conference. And all of a sudden I realized every single one of them had the most unique, important thing to say about whatever it was. Parenting, cancer, um, what was it? What's the big, you know, Amish, vampire, Christian, romance, you know, whatever their thing was, like, they all had the thing. And that, in every meal, you sit at these tables and everyone, like, practices their elevator pitch on you. And you're like, oh my gosh, do you think this is the most unique version of surviving cancer? You think this is the most version, unique version of traveling across America? I'm not going to say this is the most unique version of parenting a kid. Like, all of a sudden, I started having this thinking feeling like, okay, this isn't how it's going to work out. But it's okay because on Thursday, I was going to meet with my agent. So when Thursday finally comes, and I, I get all dressed up. I iron my shirt and I meet with my agent. I have my manuscript. I'm like, okay, here the big leagues is about to happen. Finally, face to face. And she, I meet her and I give her my elevator pitch. And she's like, okay, that's interesting. And then she starts talking. She starts asking these questions. But if you've ever been in a situation where they start asking you questions and you realize this is going down. Like the questions are like, well, tell me about your church. Well, that sounds nice. I'm like, yeah, but I'm also a really big wig in my denomination. What denomination is that? No, it's really big and important. I've never heard of it. Okay, that's not working out. Well, what about that? And I'm like scrambling. I'm trying to like totally lie and tell her how important I am and how big my platform is. And she's like, 
well, that's nice, and that's a good hobby for you, but this isn't going to be a project we're going to go forward on. And I remember like leaving like, oh, I was devastated because I am so unique and I'm so smart and I have the most unique thing that the world needs to know. And all I needed was the right person to swoop it up and make a gazillion dollars and I could be on the speaking tour and wear blazers and come back and visit. That was my hope and uh, it got decimated. And uh, I published it myself with all these grammatical errors and uh, it was, it's an embarrassment. But the reason why I tell you that is because we're in this process of talking about hope. And what's interesting is the definition we're using is this. Hope is a life lived in increasingly confident expectation that God's promises are true and that he will act in our lives and in our world. What an awesome definition. Hope is a life lived in increasingly confident expectation that God's promises are true and that he will act in our lives and in our world. And the reason why we need to spend time in God's word and unpack it and wrestle with it, because a lot of times we make God, the version of God in his word, really just be like my mom. My mom loves me. She thinks I'm the smartest, most important person on the planet. And if anyone could just hear what her son had to say, boy, they would be blessed. And we think that God's the same way. Man, God loves me. He made me. He's for me. He saved me. And he wants to just bless me and make me feel important. And which is true. Like, we are unique. God's Word says that everywhere. God loves us and we're unique. But we need kind of a fuller picture of God's Word, God's view of ourself and of Him. Because when we understand our uniqueness, when we understand who we are in the grand scheme of things, well, then we can have hope, right? When we just trust in what our mom says and we try to run for, you know, swing for the fences and end up never going anywhere, that crushes us. But when we trust what God says about us, what God says about Him, then we can move forward. So this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to unpack a passage of Scripture. So if you have a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to spend the whole morning right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you want to grab the Bible right in front of you, uh, it's near the end. Um, that's the best I could do. It's not in the mirror at the beginning. If someone knows what page number that is, if you want to just yell it out, that'd be great. And we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Someone have that in front of you, what page that is in a, in a pew Bible? What? 1060. There it is. Okay, let me pray for us, and then we'll hop into God's Word. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you made us into, in your image, that we have valuable, that even in our heart of hearts, we know that we are special and unique. But God, I pray that we would allow your Word to mold us and to shape us, and that we would be used for you and for your glory, not for our own fleeting ambitions. May you have your way with us this morning. Amen and amen. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says this. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given this one spirit to drink. And even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If you've been around the church for any amount of time, you've kind of heard this illustration here and there that we are the body of Christ. Christ is the head, and we all have these different parts. We have different roles. We have different gifts. We have different ways in which we live and move, and Christ is the head. And we think about wanting to have Scripture mold us and shape us. This first point is an awful point. I'm not going to lie to you. It's the least compelling, and I want it to be point four so I could warm you up, but it's point one in the text, so we're going to get after it. And point one says this, if we want hope to grow, then we must submit to Jesus as our head. I hate having to start a sermon with submitting. That's the worst. But that's what it starts out with, that if we want to be all that God has for us, if we want to use our unique gifts and our unique talents, it starts with realizing that Jesus is the head. 
See, the thing is, we think uniqueness and being special means that we have to be the best. But as Christians, Jesus is the best. And we are simply a part. We are unique and we are special, and that is the truth. But we cannot make our uniqueness mean that we're the best. Jesus is the best. And even if you're not willing to submit to Jesus, even if you're not sure you know where to stand with Jesus, just know that you are not the best. That's going to be such a helpful and freeing thing when you realize you are not the best. Taylor Swift, she's the best. Okay? Taylor Swift is the best. Justin McRoberts, awesome. But not the best. Taylor Swift is the best. Only a few people in the world are the best. And if we think that our unique and specialness means that we're going to be the best, we are going to spend our whole life spinning our wheels and being bitter and unhappy because we will never be there. We might be the best of a tiny little pond. The second you become almost the best of a pond, you step out into a new pond and realize you are small and you start all over again. There are always a bigger pond and you will never be the best. And the second that you realize that your uniqueness doesn't mean that you're the best and you live in that reality, it's like It's like owning that gravity is real. Once you realize gravity is real, you make appropriate choices and you can live your life a certain way. If you're going to fight gravity your whole life, you are going to be unhappy and hurt a lot. But if you own, this is how it works, you can begin to move forward. And that's the same. If you can get, man, I am unique, I'm special, and that is great. But you are not the best in the world. That's how it works. We have to own that. But as Christians, even more so, how cool, we don't have to go, Taylor Swift is the best, but Jesus is the best. Jesus is the head of the body, and we are the parts. The part is made up of many parts. That's you and me, and Jesus is the head. So if we want our hope to grow and we want to play to our strengths, the very first thing we do is realize that our uniqueness doesn't mean that we're the best. Jesus is the best. It goes on to say in verse 15, Now if the foot should say, Because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body— it would not, for, the reason would stop, for that reason, would not stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. I love scripture because this book was written 2,000 years ago in another part of the world by someone who's completely different from me in every single way. And yet his number one argument starts out of insecurity. It's like speaking my love language. If you're not a foot, you know, I'm not a foot, I don't belong. Like that's speaking my love language, right? We all feel that way. We look around, we see people who are better than us, and we think, well, if I'm not them, then I bring nothing to the table. And uh, when Art first hired me almost 10 years ago, I was, it was awesome. I got to work with Art. Art was like famous back in, this, back in the time, at least in our little pond. And I'm like, I get to work with Art, and this is going to be great. We're going to have a great time together. Well, then he goes out and hires Jeff Mazzarello. And I'm like, Art, what are you doing? We have a good thing going here, you know? And, uh, and he brings on Art, I mean, on Jeff. And like, Jeff really is the best. Like, I would hate that he wasn't. Like, I'd be so funny. Like, no, he's really not the best. But he is. He is the best communicator. He is the best Christian. He's the best father. He really is. And if you be here like, oh, no, I'm not. No, but he really is. Like, he really is. And, um, and to have to be a pastor on staff with him is really hard. And uh, talk about all of your insecurities. You're like, man, I will never be like that. And no joke. This is no joke. For two years, I went to a spiritual director. We worked on all sorts of other things. But one of the main themes was like, oh, I cannot be a Christian like Jeff is a Christian. And like, I was worried about it because I'm like, Jeff is awesome. We, Art and I, no one never wanted to preach after Jeff, right? Because he lays down. You don't want to preach after him. But like, no joke, I, in my heart, I'm like, 
I don't know how I can be a Christian like Jeff is a Christian. And I, it took me a long time, and I'm like slow on the developmental scale. So, I mean, you're way farther down the road than this than me. But for me, I was so freeing when I had this epiphany, and it was like, Jeff is the most redeemed version of him, of the place, his history, his past, his gift set, his passions, his uniqueness, all the things that made Jeff, Jeff, Jesus has redeemed and molded and made into Jeff Maz that we know, who's this incredible communicator, and he's the best. He's the best communicator in our church. He's one of the best communicators in our denomination. You go one more pond bigger, I was like, who's Jeff? So it's all about what pond you're in, but in our pond, he's the best. But for me to go, oh my goodness, so you mean for me, if I'm going to lay out all of who I am and say, God, you need to take all of who I am and redeem me and mold me and shape me, the version of Christian that I'm going to be is going to be the most redeemed version of me. It's not going to be Jeff Light. I mean, I spent a long time trying to be Jeff Light, and it was crushing. I cannot do it. It's impossible. But if I go, Jeff is awesome, and he's a gift, and he challenges our congregation, and me personally as a friend and colleague, and what a blessing. And I'm not trying to be in competition with him, but I go, what an amazing testimony of God's work. And then for me, God, you need to mold and shape and redeem me, and it's going to look different. And the way that God's made me and my gifts and my passions is going to be different, and I'm the redeemed version of that. Now the church gets to be strong. If we're all trying to be one thing, we're not strong, right? Where would the body be if we're all one part? We are all many parts. We all bring our many things to the table for the kingdom of God. Now, there's four things, I think, that kind of go into making us who we are. And one is our past. Who you are and where you come from, your history, your family, your genealogy, your economic situation, all of that, like that really matters. Like you don't just get to be, like you look at all the famous people in the world, all the best that you try to be, and you hear their stories, and they all have these stories, and, and who they are, and who they know, and where they came from all matter. And we all have a unique past. And just like we all have a unique past, we all have a unique personality. Some of you guys love the Myers-Briggs personality deal. Some of you are like, that's not for me, because there's so many different personalities. You know, there's like a hundred different personality tests just to figure out people's personalities because we're so different. So if you're an introvert or an extrovert or a dolphin or a Labrador or a green or whatever it is works in your personality profile, you are a unique personality. And you all have different passions. We all have different passions. And it's funny, when you listen to people with certain passions, sometimes they make you feel guilty. When the missionary from Mongolia shows up and starts talking, you're like, oh, I'm such a bad Christian. I never even thought about Mongolia and, and people who need to know Jesus in Mongolia. I'm a bad Christian. Or, you know, or about the slave trade. And you're like, I've never even thought about the slave trade or whatever. But we all, the deal is we all have different passions. If we all had one passion, where would the body be? And instead of trying to like all be one, whatever, and rank them, we realize what our passions are. God has put a unique passion inside of all of us. We simply need to own what those are and get after it. And the last one is my least favorite, is we all have certain proficiencies, right? Because who you are, what you want to do, your personality, your passions, and then you bring a certain set of proficiencies of gifts to the table. Someone should have told me early on, Ben, you don't know how to spell and you have no grammar. Writing might not be the best thing for you. Like that would have been helpful early on. But right, we have different skill sets that we bring. So the way in which we get after our passions, the way in which we get after the unique things that God's called us are all going to be different too. And so the body is wide and it is diverse. And we all need to be the most redeemed version of that and leverage that for the kingdom of God. So we must embrace our uniqueness. So we all know we're unique. We all know we're special. We all know we have a unique uh, pers perspective and passion. But instead of trying to be the best and crush other people, we just simply need to be 
the best version of that that God has for us, the most redeemed version of that for the kingdom of God. And then it goes on to this. This is a, the worst part. Of, every chapter, every section is hard. This is another hard one. Sorry about that. It goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, says this in 20, verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. But on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpre- unpresentable are treated with special modesty. We, while our presentable parts, need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices in it. I think this is such a hard teaching because in our very fabric of our culture, we all long to have status. And for us, status is a zero-sum game. There is a ladder with rungs, and you are on a rung. And the only way in which you're going to gain status is by climbing over somebody else, by putting somebody else down, by clawing your way to the top. That is like, it works in companies, it works in churches, unfortunately. Everything, it works in friends groups. Everything in our life is this idea of status. And because we're unique, we're special, we think that we're the best, and we have to prove that, and we prove that by putting other people down, and we climb up this ladder of status. And that is the exact opposite teaching of Christianity. It's the exact opposite model that Jesus, who was God, right? Philippians 2 says he was God. He was at the top of the ladder, and yet he became, took the form of a slave. He modeled, like when everything, we deserve to be a higher status. Jesus is like, um, I deserve the highest status. I'm the head, but I came to serve. And this teaching is so hard. Because if we are going to be all that God has for us to be, then we must give honor to others. It needs to become part of the rhythm of our life that we don't look at others to see how to claw over them, but we look at others and we think of ways to honor them, to lift them up. The, thing, the people that we think are the weakest, the people that slow us down, the people that aren't helping us get after the, you know, the, the ministry that God has for us the most, the loud clanging symbol over here, just be quiet, go to another church, whatever. That's just my issues. You have your, all your own issues, right? But those are those things. No, Jesus says we need to honor all of the parts of the body. It's a unique thing, and it's kind of weird. Like, I can't believe, like, I get to stand in front of a couple hundred people with the microphone, with the lights on me. Like, this is a place of honor. It doesn't feel that way most of the time, but it is. I, it is a place of honor. But the reality is that this, this moment, this second, only works because of so many other people, because of our awesome children's ministry and children's staff, because of the tech people in the back, because of the coffee people, because of the parking people, because of the facilities people, because of the office staff who make the bulletins, because of the janitors who make this nice, because of every single thing. There's all these other parts that make this one moment. And in all of our lives, all of our lives happen because of all these other people who help make that moment happen in our own lives. And we have to be in the rhythm of honoring others. The Giants won the World Series, which is great, and they had a parade, and so I felt like I should watch TV all day and watch the parade, and because uh, that was my part of being a fan. I wasn't a committed fan because I wasn't there, but I watched TV all day. And uh, what was interesting is Larry Bear, the CEO, um, who, like when I think of the Giants, the World Series, you have Mass and Bumgarner, Bust and Buster Posey, they're the best, and they deserve all the honor. But the CEO comes up, and he starts talking about people that I never even consider. When I think of a baseball team and what makes them great, I never even consider. And he starts calling out, man, the, the, the scouts who go to high schools and like find the right, and do the right recruiting and the spring training uh, trainers and the back office people and then the marketing people and those fans. Like, he just goes this litany of people. I'm like, no one cares about them. <laughs> but the truth is, 
Larry Baird cares about them because he knows that their organization would only be their organization unless all those people owned their part and did it well. And what an incredible testimony the church would be is if we realized that every part of the body deserves honor. Not just that one cool person, not just that one ministry, not that one thing, but everyone. If we modeled that status is not a zero-sum game where we have to climb a ladder over each other, but that we give honor to all people. In the body of Christ, right, we, act, we don't even just give honor to them, we belong to one another. Art had knee surgery, he's hobbling up here with a cane, super awesome. But I mean, really, what did they do? They ripped out some cartilage and they put in a new knee. Like, it's a knee, it's down there, it's not a big deal. It's wiped him out for two weeks, it's going to wipe him out for another month, right? He's had to take meds, he's groggy, he's unhappy, he's uncomfortable, and uh, he's trying to do the best of it, but it has wiped out his whole being. One part of his body is, and no one cares about his knee, I mean, you've never seen his knee probably, it's not that exciting, it's not that... It's a little gross. It's an old man knee, you know? It's not important. It's not, an, it's not part of his body that matters, but yet that part is ruined right now, and it has wiped him out. The smallest part of our body, when they are ruined, when they are wrecked, should impact us. It should cause us pause, and the whole body needs to come around and protect it, just like Art's entire body all of his internal organs, and I don't I failed biology, but all that stuff inside is all working to heal his knee. We as the body of Christ come around those. And when one of us is honored and celebrated, we come around and we honor and celebrate them. All right, almost done here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, wrap it up with verse 27, says this. Now you are all the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, Second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, of helpings, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. For you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Now, let's say you could care less about Jesus right now, and that's super great. It's not great, but let's just pretend that's you, and that's, that might be. What's wild is because we're made in the image of God, because the way that God set up the universe, if you get that you will never be the best— and you want to own your unique giftedness, and you want to embrace your uniqueness, and you honor those around you, if you just did those three things separate from Jesus, you will grow in status and contentment. That is a fact. Separate from Jesus, if you get that you will never be the best, if you embrace your uniqueness, and if you honor others, man, people are going to want to be around you, people are going to want to hire you, and you will grow in status, and your platform will increase. That is the truth. Now, how wild if those of us who know Jesus and love him want to actually make Jesus be the head and we actually leverage our unique gifts and our unique abilities, not for our own platform, not for our own personal gain, but we leverage them for the kingdom of God. That's what God's calling us to do. God wants us to be whole and healthy people. That is true. But by ourselves being whole and healthy people, that doesn't move the kingdom of God forward. Even if everyone in your office knows that you're a Christian, and you're a great person, but you aren't invested in the body of Christ, that doesn't help the kingdom of God move forward. And what it is, is you personally have unique gifts and unique skills and unique abilities, and you are part of the body of Christ. But what's interesting is your unique little part of the body is really like a unique cell or a unique organism that's within our church, which is the unique body of Christ. And our unique church, Marin Covenant Church, is a unique part of the body of Christ. We have a unique set of skills, a unique passion, a unique personality, a unique past, and there's certain things that we as Marin Covenant Church are going to run after with all of our heart. 
Now, there's certain, some of you might be like, the things that Marine Covenant is running after is not things that I'm running after. Man, God bless you. That doesn't mean that you're a better Christian and our church is failing or our church is awesome and you're being an apostate. That is not what it means at all. The body of Christ is so diverse and we honor one another. This is our unique little piece of the pie and we are going to be as faithful as possible. But if you don't fit here, then you have to find a body of Christ that you fit in so that you can be fully invested because the body of Christ only works when every body of Christ is healthy. Marin Covenant Church doesn't work because if we're the only healthy church in Marin. Marin Covenant Church works, the body of Christ works, the kingdom of God expands when Marin Covenant Church is healthy, when Bay Marin Church is healthy, when Nevada Presbyterian Church is healthy, when pick your favorite church in Marin County, when they are healthy and we are healthy, then the body of Christ is healthy. And us in Marin County, still, that's just another little piece of the body of Christ geographically, right? It gets bigger, and then it go United States, and then you go the whole wide world. We, the body of Christ, is so broad and so diverse. And instead of us always trying to be the best and the best Christian and the best passion, the best thing, what if we get to honor what God is doing everywhere? Our friends just across the bay who are doing incredible ministry in urban and inner city Oakland, what they are wrestling with and doing is totally different from what we are doing. And they are the body of Christ and they need to be healthy and their voices need to be heard and we need to honor them. And the church that's blowing up in in Central America and, and Ghana, Right? We need to honor those churches and listen to them and celebrate what God is doing everywhere. But so we don't get lost in the everywhere, we also need to leverage who we are here at Marine Covenant Church. This is going to be my gentle nudge to you. If you would go, yep, I'm trying to make Jesus Christ the Lord. Yep, I want to embrace my gifts. Yep, I want to honor people. And yep, I want to leverage who I am for the kingdom of God. If you say, yeah, leaning towards that, then please hear this. The only way that that works is if you are invested in Marin Covenant Church. Like, you can be an awesome person. People can know you're an awesome Christian. But the kingdom of God, the momentum of the kingdom of God only works when we are connected as a church, when as a body of Christ, we are connected to each other. We leverage each other's gifts, each other's resources, each other's everything who we are. We model to the community that we love the weakest of the weak and we leverage the strength of the strength and we model that and we live together in that. You being awesome and being a Christian separate from a body, this body, does not help the kingdom of God move forward. And man, God so desperately wants to expand the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And we're in covenant in our little place that we get to do that. And if this isn't your place, then please find another local church but we are going to get after it here at Marin Covenant Church, knowing that we are just part of a regional church, of a denominational church, of a, of a national church, and of a worldwide church, of an invisible church of the body of Christ. So we can get after all that God has for us. So with that being said, let me pray for us, and then uh, we will call it quits. Heavenly Father, in our gracious God, it is humbling that you would use me personally, that you would use us corporately, that you would use Marin Covenant Church as part of your body to be a part of expanding the kingdom of earth as it is in heaven. There's got to be so many better ways, so many less flawed ways to do that, but yet you have chosen to allow us to partner with you. And so God, we graciously and humbly accept the invitation to not just be your kids and to not just be special, but to take our place in the body 
so that the body can be strong and functioning and healthy and get after the ministry that you have called us to do. God, may we more and more submit to you as our head. Please forgive us when we take our unique and specialness and shininess and think that it, that means that we are the best. Instead, let us just leverage who we are for you. And God, please forgive us when we look over those people around us who are invisible because they don't make us feel better or don't further our careers or whatever the issue is. But let us stop, just like you did, who was God, who was king, humbled himself as a servant. May we model that and give honor to all those around us. And may we do all this, God, so that you may be honored and glorified and may your kingdom in heaven be made on earth. And may all honor and glory be to your son, who is the head, Jesus Christ, both now and forevermore. Amen and amen.